If you're a business owner or senior manager, you probably had more than enough about all the wonderful opportunities awaiting you in the era of digitalization. Whether it is big data, cloud, data science, or whatever buzzword is currently trendy. If you would like to hear someone dissecting these claims and showing you what it actually takes to improve business processes, you're in the right place. This is Between Data and Risk, where we discuss real-life examples of what works and what doesn't in the world of business operations. Hi, I'm your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siwiak, and with me is my co-host, Artur Buja, Cognition Shared Solutions Chief Risk and Strategy Officer. Hello. Welcome to the seventh episode of Between Data and Risk. Today, we will be talking about the function of data and risk in management of higher education institutions. Uh, with us uh, is Dr. Nick Swain. He is a president of North Idaho College. Uh, until recently, he was the executive director of For Virginia, a collaborative partnership between eight universities in the state of Virginia, as well as a founder of Comprehensive Academic Innovation Ecosystem at James Madison University, who agreed to share some of his experience with us. Good morning. Uh, I think the first things first, congratulations are in order. Uh, Dr. Swain uh, became president of North Idaho College uh, in August this year. So, that's right. That's right. How, August first. How, how do you how how do you, how do you feel? Because I know that you spent a lot of time with with James Madison. So how do you feel after you know such a big move? Yeah, well, it's a it's a it's a big change, um, but it is um, yeah, it's a great place. It's a uh, the, the the people are wonderful. The students are wonderful. The you know it's a I, I think it's a it was a great next move for me um, to be able to um, implement some of the things I learned while I was at James Madison and um, and help uh, move the college forward. So I, I think it's, it's it's a really nice fit. I I've enjoyed it a lot so far in the last seven weeks. <laughs> no, it's uh, it's great to hear. Like. What new and fresh like ideas did you encounter in in your in, in your new job? Uh, we are thinking about the let's say business operations. Like, mm -hmm. what is what, what is that uh, North Idaho College like surprised you pleasantly with? Is there anything like wow we should do this in James Madison? Why we didn't didn't do it? Um, so so the I, I'd say the the biggest thing is um, that I've noticed is there were. Um, a few, um, so our enrollment has been declining over the past few years, and um, and and folks just um, didn't didn't take ownership of that. And so when you, when we look at the data and say, okay, we we've had several years of declining enrollments, what are we doing? And um, well, we've done the same thing every year, and 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 just kind of asking those questions, um, everyone has stepped up and said. Oh, you're right. <laughs> the enrollment is declining. We really need to do something about it. And so, just just asking those questions of people and and having them contemplate um, the issue and how really everyone on on campus has a has a role in that is um, is, is very interesting. You know, it's a we're a we're a two year college, and so um, th you know the things about like aligning curriculum so that students can transfer more easily to the four-year college. Um, we do, you know, just a lot of programs and 
making sure that we go back and review those periodically so that they um, they're doing what we expect them to do and and the data necessary to analyze those um, is is challenging um, from data perspective um, we are the, the at the state and federal level they use the same metric very similar metrics to evaluate our effectiveness that they use to evaluate a four-year institution's effectiveness and so um, for, for example, uh, they look at, you know, how many freshmen matriculate to sophomores, how many sophomores matriculate to juniors and so forth. That's a typical four-year kind of um, metric. And for us, our, our students come here, some of them determined to get a, a two-year degree. Mm -hmm. Some of them come determined to get, to, to complete some requirements of a four-year degree and then transfer. And so, for them, success means taking five math courses and then transferring to a four-year. Well, th so they don't get an associate's degree from us, and the federal, state and federal government don't count that as a success. It actually counts against us. Where the student, we met exactly, we exactly met their needs. Um, we exactly supported them, gave them what they needed to be successful. They went on to the four-year institution, and they were successful, but it counts as a almost as a negative against us because they didn't complete their associate's degree. They never set out to complete their associate's degree. Um, and so those kinds of, of things, try, trying to figure out what is the, what are the real metrics of success and how do we measure them and how do we hold ourselves accountable to them um, is, is one of our big data challenges right now. It reminds me, there is a book called Weapons of Math Destruction. Uh, and there is a notion on algorithmic measurement of success of teachers. I think it was was in, in New York or Washington, uh, where we tried to put the same uh, identical um, variables just to to uh, evaluate if the teacher is is good or not. And uh, what was found out found out that the teachers who were inflating uh, grades of their pupils uh, were evaluated much higher because, oh, you know, 90% of uh, my students uh, ended up with A grades. And the students, let's say, uh, if the students went to, to, to another school, uh, they were normalized, so to speak. And it was taken against the, 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 the teachers, like, you know, you cannot teach like the students had A grades and now they are, you know, I don't know, Bs or Cs. So how, how it happens. So, so this, is, this is a terrible, terrible uh, mm, lack of thinking about what data really means. We, we spoke about right. it in our previous episodes. It's like uh, the step one of any data journey is like think what, what is really behind the data. But on the operational level, like of your, of your, of your uh, university, uh like on the uh, how the work is organized like what is the pleasant surprise i don't want to jump directly into 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 problems <laughs> uh because yeah, let's let, let's light up the mood a little bit before we will you know muddy yeah. the waters yeah um so uh i mean one of, one of the things that i was really pleasantly surprised at we we, we have several things but um one is um, at a two-year institution, 
um, I was surprised at the advanced level of math. So they have, you know, the, all the all the standard stuff that you would expect at a two year institution, you know, the college algebra, you know, that sort of thing. But but then on top of that, they have calc, what we call calc one, calc two, calc three, mm-hmm. um, differential equations, um, linear algebra, and discrete math. And so ha- having all six or seven of those courses available for students is um, an incredible opportunity for them to to be here. Um, you know, it's, it's it's very low cost because students, most of them are able to stay at home while they're taking college classes. So they don't have to pay extra for room and board. And our tuition is about half of what a four-year institution is. So it's it's incredibly economical. And for those students that want to be in, in any of the sciences, you know, physics, math, or um, or engineering, or even, you know, bio, uh, biology or biotech or any of those kinds of math intensive um, disciplines, they, they can do everything they need to do here um, in terms of the math stuff with full-time faculty, class sizes of probably 15 or so, um, and then transfer it to the four-year institution and, and do better um, in their upper division courses than, they, than the students that started in the four-year institutions because they're, they're able to, they have a, a, a tighter learning relationship with their, with their professors. So that's one. Um, and the second thing is our, um, our nursing, our, our, our health professions uh, is, is incredibly strong. And, um, and we have waiting lists in almost every area for students trying to get in. And we're, you know, for various reasons, not able to accommodate all the students that want uh, to participate. Um, on top of that, uh, huge demand in the community for those health science degrees. Um, so those are those are a couple of the things. I mean, there's we have a, a, some incredible state of the art facilities that, I mean, I thought it was pretty good back in in my uh, lab in Virginia, but um, the facilities they have here are are really take it to another level. So. Those are some of the operational things that I've seen already. So, so how, 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 how uh, when we talk about these facilities, I think it's a, it's a huge logistic and operational efficiency required to ensure, uh, let's say, smart use of the budget to to to, to really get into into um, into that level, which fitting, let's say, very very renowned and uh, rightfully so uh, institution. Yeah. So seems like like your your people really know what they are doing like uh, can you can you tell us like uh, how is how is this organized like do you have some i don't know standard operating procedures or people just know what to do they are really long term uh, employees who are li- living and breathing the the atmosphere and they just try to do best for their college and community by by that uh, how- I, so I think it's the second thing. I mean, I, we've um, there there have been a lot of retirements, so a lot of the institutional knowledge has has left. But um, in terms of making sure the facilities are here and ready and 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 well positioned, and the, the, we have no debt, um, so so that's another um, good good aspect of things. So just I, I think it's it's been um, strategically well managed, even if some of maybe some of the operational things. Um, it's i think they've done some planning on things like recruiting mm-hmm. they've done some planning um 
They just, they, they never, they, for whatever reason, some of it just didn't get impl implemented. But in terms of facilities and, and faculty, um, we've had some phenomenal, the, the facilities are incredible in great condition. Um, and we've had great administrators and, and faculty that are um, on the job. And so um, I don't think it's a procedure thing. I think it's a people thing. Uh, as so, it sounds sounds like a, a you know a, a great group of people to to work with. I've uh, as I've been preparing for 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 this episode because I have to admit I I have uh, you know in my in my experience as risk manager I haven't actually uh, encountered uh, higher education uh, or, or education in general as an area uh, for 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 risk management. So I, I I did some research. I found the University Risk Management and uh, Insurance Association uh, in US. Yeah. Uh, uh, which, which you know, sounds sounds like a, a great organization. They're actually running a podcast, uh, 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 Yurmia Matters, uh, and uh, I, I listened to that podcast about all the the, the, the way uh, risk is actually perceived in higher education and how, especially what what caught my attention is their episode about emerging risk, where they 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 talk about how they add to their uh, risk inventory uh, things like. It, you know, very very recent things, so cutting cutting edge things like uh, cryptocurrencies, uh, AI, uh, the autonomous vehicles. Uh, how how do you work with 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 risk in in uh, in your uh, institute? Well, um, so I have a I have a risk manager. My, my um, admin and finance vice president also does uh, manages risk, um, and so. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't know that we are necessarily, um, looking at things like, you know, Thomas vehicles, AI, in, in incorporating that into our risk management. Um, but there are other, you know, like human resource issues that, that I think are maybe unique to higher ed where you have professors and, you know, if there's, if a professor does something wrong and, um, then you may be, uh, you, you may have legal issues with the students. Um, and then if you discipline the professor, you may have legal issues with the professor. So um, <laughs> those are, those are, I, I don't, I, I don't know if they're unique to higher education, um, but maybe unique to state um, higher ed institutions, like, you know, state supported higher ed in institutions are held to a bit different standard than private um, higher ed institutions. So that may be um, maybe one of our more um, important considerations. We're also, uh, a, 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 they call it a tree campus or something that we're, we're, um, we have a lot of trees on campus. And um, I guess about a year ago before, you know, long before I got here, they had a, a huge, it had rained a lot and they had a huge windstorm come through. And, um, and, and when I'm, when I'm say trees, they're trees that are, um, you know, a meter and a half in diameter and, um, 30 meters tall. Um, and so when the wind came through and knocked those trees down, it created like a hundred different, a hundred unique trees on campus. It created, it blocked roads. Um, I think only, only one building was seriously damaged, but it knocked out power block, you know, blocked a whole bunch of roads. And, and um, and so cleaning that up was a, was a huge mess. So from a risk perspective, that was huge. Um, 
our IT department is also uh, an area that requires some risk assessment because um, just just today, I think I had three phishing attacks, uh, three three you know phishing emails, or you know mm-hmm. click here for um, for something in it, and uh, you know luckily I didn't click on it, but someone you know. I, anybody else on campus may have gotten that same email and clicked on it. I don't, you know, so sometimes they're harmless and sometimes they, you know, end up with uh, everyone on campus having their, their computers locked down and you have to pay ransom. So all, all those kinds of things are, are serious risk considerations that um, are, are how, things we have how, to take how, into account. How, however, still, I think the, 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 the... Surprisingly, your 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 uh, sponsor is also creating risks. I I'm still thinking about this this measurements uh, which are not really well designed to represent what you do. Uh, is there any way for you to I don't know appeal or or like create uh, enough buzz that uh, lawmakers would you know actually reconsider what they what they do because it's it sounds for me. I don't want to say criminal, but I just did. Well, I, so I, I, I don't know. I can't, you know, I won't, I, I don't, I don't know what it would take to, to change the law. What we're going to do is just something different is, is um, try to start defining um, our metrics of success ourselves. And, and part of that then requires a database. So if a, if a student comes in and says, I want to take these math courses so that I can transfer. I don't want to complete an associate's degree. I just want to take those math courses. Then we can we can um, enter that as a as a data tra- traceable goal, um, and then measure his success against his goals, and not against an artificial goal um, that he had never never had any intentions of accomplishing to begin with. And and so he. You know, if somebody comes in and gets an A in all of those math courses, Calc 1, Calc 2, Calc 3, just then the, the, you obviously they're good students. So the fact that they didn't um, complete their associate degree, it shouldn't count against us. But right now we don't have data that we're not able to collect data that says, here's a student's goal and we help them accomplish that. And so I, for, that's one of the the one of the projects that I'm working on to try well, to figure that out. Uh, so this story reminds me, I've been studying biology myself, and there were some measurements done on, on equipment which returned some charts, uh, graphs, and uh, the actual comparison between two samples was, uh, sh- should be, uh, it should be uh, the calculus of, 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 the, of the area under the curve. And... Uh, biology students, at least uh, where I was studying, were not so strong at at calculus. Yeah. However, they 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 designed the the ingenious method. They were printing out the charts, cutting them out, and weighing them. So <laughs> that's the but it, but, but it works. <laughs> 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 so w- when you said that you have these people who are who are taking the calc, calc one, calc two, calc three discrete maths, uh, differential, differentials, and, and, yeah. and then they go to the biology. I, like, I'm not sure how many, except me, in, uh, at my course, actually, new calculus. Uh, but yeah, that's very... But, you, know, you, 
you can Google it now. <laughs> <laughs> when you mention all those all those math courses, I, I get shivers because you know I, I used to study computer science and we had all those and. Uh, you know, it still brings back, back memories. I, although I stop screaming at night uh, you know, with a lot of therapy, it's it's still it's still there at the back of the head. <laughs> I, I have to admit, but it's it 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 brings us to a, a kind of a very interesting topic, actually. How how you actually measure skill and how do you measure success in education? Because uh, uh, when when you when as when you're an educator, it's I, I think uh, you want to see. Uh, that a, a person actually has uh, received the education. You don't only want to give education, but you want also want to see it received. So, if I, uh, if I, if I may, I think we we've heard the podcast about it. It was, I think, the EdTech podcast by Sophie Bailey in this year. I think it was about measuring the skill and how how, how do you how do you measure skills? It's it's pretty inter interesting topic. Like, what's what what's what's your Nick take on it? Like, how do you measure? The skill, because I know that you have this uh, this this facility also training people like adult adult training in this also practical skills. I wouldn't want to stop here in our discussion on on calculus, but I think it's really important role of education to to provide the skills which are applicable in in real life, unlike you know some complicated math. Yeah, um, I. I, the, it is a it, that becomes a challenge because, um, you know, uh, deter, determining what is Calc one is is a is, is you know is an ongoing debate I suppose, but it's it's also um, for the most part settled. Mm -hmm. If if you say I've I've completed Calc one, there's an expectation that you know this this package of material um if you say you've completed calc 2 i've completed this package of material um if you say that you um um you've completed a competency-based test and through competency-based testing i'm now um i'm now qualified as a nurse mm -hmm. um that that should give you a certain certain skills right that you've uh... yeah it's it's not the the i'd say the challenge is it's not necessarily clear from that statement because there's not a clear understanding of of what that means and what you've proven and what um so if if it's a if it's a written test or a, a computer-based test um and you can you can describe or you can read the test question that says how do you um give somebody an injection how do you um uh give somebody an iv mm -hmm. you know in, insert mm -hmm. an iv um and it's a it's a q a set of of uh, responses um and that that person passes the test as a, now they're a certified nurse through competency-based testing um, they may never have done any of those practical things, right? I mean, it, 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 it would be odd, but it is, it is possible. I can prove that I'm competent by taking a test. Mm -hmm. Now, mo many of those would require a, um, a skills demonstration as well. 
So you pay, pass the, the written test and then you have to do a, a, a physical demonstration that you can do it. Um, so, so I'm much more comfortable with, with having both, but how would you like to, um, you know, how would you like it if your surgeon was going to, um, you know, do open heart surgery and they were a competency-based education surgeon, and you don't know for sure if that surgeon has actually ever cracked open a chest or not. You may be the first. Um, <laughs> and so that's, that's, so it's, it's, it's not, so it's not just a, when, when you're taking a class and everyone in the class is doing the same thing, um, do, the, the doing is evaluated. The knowledge is evaluated. And so you can, you know, maybe um, argue back and forth about what people did and what and 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 the and the way you tested that on a written test, but but you could do a recording and watch it and say, okay, you're, I, I understand what your people are doing. Here's what my people are doing, and you can compare. But uh, not all competency based testing is like that. So so those are those are some challenges with with the competency based um, programs. Out of curiosity, because you, you have this technological uh, education as well, uh, yep. do you do, do you know how how is the organized the the cooperation with the industry? Because I'm I'm a big fan of of yeah, supporting the environment. I know that many of educational institutions in the U.S. they pride themselves in in, in cooperation with uh, local businesses with with local industry. Uh, how does it look in Idaho? Um, I, so I'm actually, uh, I, the number of businesses and industries that are partnered with North Idaho college, um, is, is at least as good as what it was in Virginia. I, I was, I was quite pleasantly surprised. Um, there, I mean, every, you know, just everything is, is we have it here. Um, I think it in many ways, um, the local industry, local businesses, and the community are more engaged than they were in Virginia. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, yeah, I, th I think that's. I'm, I'm pretty happy with with the way things are turning out. So I'm guessing that link then gives you the opportunity to actually show uh, the students and give, actually give not not only show the students but actually give them some hands on experience. So that they get not only the the competency based testing on on paper on the computer, but also the practical skills, which then can be fed back into to the educational institution to find out how how they're actually performing in the real world. Um, ideally, yeah. Uh, um, you know, if, say for example, nursing. Um, there there are other institutions around us that also are competing for the same. Um, practical experiences and so we're there there's competition there um but um th there's also a, a challenge because we are a two-year institution um we only have the students for two years and so building the you know building programs that allow them to finish their associate's degree and have a competency base and and have a a real world experience downtown that's a lot to fit into just two years. Um, and most of the students that I was working with back in Virginia um, were, you know, they, they'd already completed their first two years of college. And 
we first started working with them when they were juniors and seniors. And so um, when they're juniors and seniors, they've, they are already getting um, discipline specific knowledge where the first two years is often more general education. Um, and so, so those, so a, a, a junior or senior that has some say engineering experience as a student and you send them downtown to work on an engineering like project, they're going to be more valued by the company. And, you know, for us, typically in the first two years of a engineering focused program, we would be teaching a lot of math because that's what they need in order to transfer to the four year institution. So it's not, it's not always as easy. It goes back to that, you know, the things you measure, if you until you're really here and thinking about it from a two year perspective, sometimes those, the, the, you know, what we have learned as four year people that doesn't always work in a two year institution. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. That that does sound like a a, a a big challenge. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm I, I, I'm I'm curious. Uh, like I know that many institutions, educational institutions, but I, again, now I'm not sure if it applies to to to, to, to two years. So we, uh, please correct me. But uh, you know, they try to encourage. Young people to to start start their own businesses to 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 help them get the first steps or or, or second third steps in in, uh, in 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 the entrepreneurship area. Uh, how how does it work there? Or, you know, uh, if you would were to compare this to 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 to, to James Madison. Uh, another another interesting question. Uh, <laughs> we try so um, at. At JMU, I probably had um, maybe 5,000 square feet of space that was dedicated to um, kind of a, a, a maker space kind of thing with classrooms attached. And here, um, we there's it's an old um, diesel mechanic shop that they've converted into an innovation lab. It's probably 10 or 15,000 square feet of, of, of big, just open, open space um and there's another 5,000 square feet that they we have funding set aside to renovate um and once we figure out what that needs or what, what those needs might be and so um so again we have uh better facilities better and as a result of the of the facilities more opportunities to do more interesting things we are constrained by the fact that um, we only have the, most students here for two years, and so um, they're not they're tip, they may not be ready after two years to start their own business. They may want to go on to a four year, but so most of our clients in our innovation center tend to be um, community clients. So that they've they've gone somewhere, they've done something, they've they've, they've got educated, or they, they may, maybe they're just curious. Um, I think I can make a better mousetrap, for example. So so they can come here and um, and make that that uh, better mousetrap. Um, see if it works. See if they um, can pitch it to anybody and get any funding to make more, sell them. You know, give you a you know a, a thousand mousetraps, whatever whatever the case may be. Usually, sound production is usually selling of the 
intellectual property and the and and the processes. Um, so those are um, that's what we have now, and trying to figure out how do we grow that because we're not going to have we're not going to have a four year program. We have all these we have great space, we have good facilities, most good equipment in the facilities. What we what we don't have is that class wraparound that we had back at JMU with juniors and seniors that are thinking about those kinds of issues and how they might, you know, by the end of the class, they've already done customer discovery. They've already done all those steps. They presented a hundred times and they have real buy-in from somebody in the community. Um, but oftentimes the students back at JMU were, were really just interested in going on and working for Deloitte, working for Microsoft, whatever the case may be. And so, um, they, it, it, it was tough here. We don't, we don't have those challenges, but we have other challenges. Just, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's not because the, the, the kids are doing, kids are doing great, but they, um, it's not like most of them are not, don't have big ideas of, of going directly from the two-year institution to go work for Deloitte as a consultant. Um, they, they'll have to, you know, transfer the four-year, whatever. So there's, there's other delays and the fact that we only have them for two years. Those are those are big challenges. When you mentioned when you mentioned mousetraps, we we couple episodes ago we had a conversation with a gentleman who's investing in in uh, in, in startups, and he was telling us about gentleman who was mechanical engineer, then transferred to to, to computer scientist, who was living off uh, intellectual pro property rights, and he came to pitch the new type of a dog toy. So, with some 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 smartly enclosed snack, which the dog could try to chew out. Uh, so the, the the new new kind of mousetrap is uh, actually I was using one uh, when I was living in the UK. We had <laughs> we had mice uh, around, and we despite having two cats, uh, and it was uh, this non non lethal mousetraps. I think it's a great great invention. Uh, so I guess there is space for for for, for, for that. Uh, I, I wouldn't under underestimate the power of a good mousetrap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but there is, uh, you know, uh, talking talking about this, and especially about uh, uh, when when you say that the, the third and fourth year students they had they had all the uh, all this additional experience uh, that that allowed them to go go out into the. The, the world and and start thinking about making a business or working in in business uh it it brings me to a, a a kind of interesting well complaint that uh i i heard from uh, uh various uh, people in the business that students when they leave an educational institution they they see everything in black and white there is a, there there are laws of, of of science everything either you know everything works you put things into an experiment and always the result comes out and they, they, they emerge into this, uh, uh, wild world of uncertainty, like, like beautiful butterflies. And, uh, how, so how, how would you, uh, challenge this, uh, with, with the students? How do you, uh, enter, uh, um, introduce them into the world of uncertainty? Well, um, we, we haven't, we haven't started that yet here. Um, back at JMU, um, we, um, we, we did, we used the lean startup method, um, just, you know, kind of design thinking and lean startup, um, mixed together. And, um, 
we would start them off, you know, trying to solve a problem and showing them that um, not solving the problem is okay. Um, But, you know, you you have to learn from your mistakes. And so if there's a, if there's, if there's, and I think that's the, that's probably the biggest value add that we can, we can identify is that um, um, we don't, you know, we don't, we don't encourage students to fail, but we include we, we do encourage them to try things that that might work and um, and take a, a bit of risk in that um, and say, OK, this this is not, um, you know, it's not physically impossible. We've engineered it. We think we can make it work. Let's give it a try. Um, you know, nope, it failed. So we, we don't we don't encourage them to try to fail. We encourage them to learn through their failures and and push the failures to come fast and let them know it's okay. And we don't expect that it's okay that it doesn't work. Um, It's okay that it doesn't work the first time. It's okay that it doesn't work after the third time. We actually expected that. We gave you a really hard problem for a reason. Um, And so all those things combined are are really, um, I I think that the key to what we've done. And I'll also say, uh, um, back in Virginia, we got to a point where employers were calling me trying to get, um, I, I, you know, I need an engineer that's gone through your program. Um, I need a biology student that's gone. I need a writing student that's gone through your program. And they're doing that because, um, I, I, you know, it's not like our, our students, um, you know, it's not like the engineering students come into our program and know more about engineering. What they do know about is how to work together on a multidisciplinary team, um, take take risk, try to figure stuff out, and um, and continue to adapt as members of a productive team. And, and I think I, I think ultimately that's what the employers were looking for. Um, so um, so then you know my so my current challenge is. Uh, how do we how do we do that here at a two year institution? I think it's possible. It's just going to take a you know it, it, it's going to take finding the right person. To run. I'm not going to run it. <laughs> I'm not going to run it. So it's it's uh, um, trying to clearly define that the role of that person and then going finding somebody that can pull it pull it off with with guidance and support, but not with me running it. Um, so those are some of the short term maybe long-term issues that we're working on to make it's, that <clears throat> it reminds me we again uh, it was it was it's a it's a quote it's not about it being right or wrong it's about looking at the implications this is something that got my real interest uh, in uh, another podcast teaching in higher ed by by, by Bonnie Stacho- uh, Stachowiak it was uh, David Formir from from Pittsburgh professor from mm-hmm. Pittsburgh who, who said, so uh, it's about this thinking in scenarios. Okay, so I'll try this. And what happens if I fail? And this is the base of, of uh, yeah. multiple, let's say, we spoke about risk previously, but it's, uh, I think, uh, the very basis of, uh, of the risk management is, okay, we, we have this scenario and let's think what, what happens if this scenario goes left, right, or, or, or center. Right. Uh, right. It's... Uh, I must say that I'm 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 really impressed uh, that you were man- you managed to introduce it to 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 your students because in my research work, um, especially in 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 biology, 
people are so keen on getting this false uh, feeling of certainty by you know uh, clinging to to, to p value like like uh, like no tomorrow like you know applying p p value hacking and 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 doing everything in their power to get this statistical significance just to get That's this right. false 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 feeling of 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 certainty so uh, really chapeau bas for 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 being able to teach students to as an example in engineering where you would expect okay i have like you know two cogs when they you know roll together when you know one is rotating another is rotating introducing uncertainty there i'm i'm uh, i'm i'm truly and, and really impressed and and especially yeah. since you know we we talked about how you measure success i think that's a good measure of success if if uh, industry people com commercial uh, people actually come to you and say we want students that actually have this this kind of mentality that means yeah i think that's that's a measure for for success they actually succeeded another thing interesting is a parallel because my my uh, until recently i used to work for for hsbc and uh, there there's quite a lot of uh, kind of innovation innovation mindset being uh, promoted within hsbc uh, and this kind of almost encouragement to fail you know try things and and make them fail because you're expected to fail the the the, the first X amount of time and then and before you come up with something worthwhile. Uh, so the, even even it goes a, a, a bit further. But uh, this, this, this kind of uh, this mentality seems to be something that people are reinventing almost. Uh, because in, in education, in business, uh, people are getting back to the idea that you don't have to be always right. And failure is also an opportunity to, to educate yourself, to find something new. And get yep. get good data. Yeah, that's that's true. And I think um, it, it our, our, the the technology world in which we live um, gives you the sense that there's always one right answer. Right? There, you can Google it, and there's one right answer. You can um, you, you know do whatever. There's one right answer. Um, and uh, I, I think it sort of confounds a lot of people to find out that you know there are five good answers and um you know you get to pick which one worked best for you we just want you to explain why how you how you found it what you know how you got there how you could how you replicate it and um uh yeah what so you know what's what are the implications i mean those are those are kind of the the the, the thing that becomes more important now than the um the product itself i uh i wonder because i uh, i also know that uh, you have the, a military background just out of curiosity like is it something that is that is taught in the army as well in american army that uh, you know try things like you know observe adapt uh, overcome uh is it uh, how how because I'm, I'm thinking, where is the source? Because I, I find your, your attitude a bit unique. Uh, you know, working in, in uh, I was lecturing myself at the university for seven years. Uh, so working in the research and, and the higher education industry, your attitude towards failure, like you know, most of the, course, the courses are like you know, you have a test, you have you know one good answer. You, if you ask a question, you already know the answer to it before it, it starts. Uh, before you even open your mouth and you, you just expect people to 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 which reminds me of of of, of uh, 
when you analyze, I don't know, the literature, like, you know, what did the author, you know, think about? What did he have in mind? Uh, yeah. I wonder, because I, I'm looking for a source of your pretty unique approach, <laughs> and I'm... I, I think, uh, you know, maybe how I grew up and, and uh, you know, I, I mean, it's that and, um, and, and the... Um, I, I think maybe the difference between um, higher education and the army is, um, you know, you you have a in the army maybe you ha you have a mission and you need to accomplish this mission um, by you know tomorrow evening, whatever the case may be, um, and so you have a fixed, you know, you have the resource that you have the resources that are available right now. Um, and so you never have all the things you want. You never have all the things you need. You don't have all the people that you want, but you still got to accomplish the mission. And so um, you kind of um, use your experience, ask questions, test hypotheses, move forward and see, you know, okay, you get to a point where you say, okay, this isn't going to work. We have to try something else. I'm not, I'm not sure that um, educators always have that same mentality. Um, for, for example, when we started the autonomous vehicle course, I would say um, it, it, be, it was really interesting to watch it happen. Now, of course, our autonomous vehicle was a golf cart, right? So, it, 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 you know, that, that was a part of our risk management was uh, <laughs> if you have a golf cart, it only goes six miles an hour. It doesn't matter what you, how, you know, doesn't matter what you do. The fastest it can go is six miles an hour. And so it's not going to, you know, it's not going to go 100 miles an hour. It's, it's not going to get, you know, if it gets away from us. Um, you can, you can run it, you can run after it and tip it over if, to, if you have to stop it, um, as a sort of emergency procedure. So, so people were a lot more willing to let us try things. Um, but, um, but also there's no room, you know, it's, uh, nothing is automated. The, everything is manual. Um, so there's no power steering, there's no power brakes. So being able to hack in the system to control that turned out to be, a pretty complicated process. Um, so the the students came in, and you know they they told their parents that um, we're going to build an autonomous car during the spring semester. You you know plan on coming down to visit in May and looking at our autonomous car. And so they had this mark that they had set for themselves. <laughs> This high expectations that they had set for themselves, and they had told their parents that we're going to build an autonomous car. On the flip side, the faculty, you know, well, okay, we know the students have said that. However, we're not sure we're going to get there. And if we don't get it done this semester, we'll do it next semester. And the students were like, no, that's not okay. I told my mom. I told my mom to come in May and look at the at the um, autonomous vehicle. Um, we are going to have an autonomous vehicle in May, and so um, they. I found them. Uh, they would come in on Friday and work, and um, and and they were you know they would tell everybody, hey, we're you know we're going to work late tonight. Just go home. We'll lock up when we're done. And and it turned out they they stayed there and worked throughout the weekend took you know they brought in cots and would sleep um in the lab or you know periodically over the weekend because they were determined to have an autonomous vehicle 
by the end by May. And so, so that's that, that instilling that attitude in the students, not just a curiosity, not just of, you know, maybe it'll work, but that attitude that, you know, we're determined to make it work, um, allows it, it, it actually give, is more freeing. It gives you the opportunity to say, uh, you know, we don't know all the answers, but we're going to make this work by May. And so let's try this. Okay. That didn't work. Let's try this. That didn't work. And they, they accumulate very quickly a couple of things. They, they understand really how things work. They understand, um, also helpful, what doesn't work. Um, they understand troubleshooting, which is a skill that most, I think that's one of the things that the employers valued most is the students coming out of my program knew how to troubleshoot and the students coming out of some of the other programs, the more traditional programs on campus, um, didn't know how to troubleshoot because they were never challenged to do that. Um, and so, so some of those things, I, I, I so where does that come from? I, I, am not a hundred percent sure. Um, you know, just my background, my, my, uh, uh, you know, my, my parents pushed us to go try things and, and obviously they didn't all work and okay, if that didn't work, go fix it and then try again, <laughs> you know, you broke it. Now you got to fix it. <laughs> so, so I think that, you know, from, from that, uh, from just from my, my experience throughout my life, that's, that was kind of, but I, I know a lot of people like that. I, I don't know a whole lot of folks in higher ed that have that perspective. The last question, if I may. Uh, do you treat your employees the same way as you treat students? Like, like absolutely. How, how much freedom do they have to fail? Like, you know? a- absolutely. I, I, you know, they, um, which is kind of interesting as well, because you know they, they, uh, you know, when I when you first meet them, they want that the same kind of guidance and you know planning and and uh, <laughs> I, I, I said there, there are a lot of things that we have to work on here. Um, we have to work on them simultaneously and we don't have time to fix them all. We, we don't have time to make a master plan and fix everything at the same time. So I, I've said, I, I want you to, you, you know, we're, we're figuring out what needs to be fixed. You know who you need to coordinate with and, and don't let perfect get in the way of good enough. And so um, now when I, when I have meetings, you know, we, we talk about things and, okay, here's a, this, this is a, um, here's a, here's a good course of action. And, and you ask them, what do you think? And, and now, you know, now, now people say, well, it might not be perfect, but it's good mm-hmm. enough. We can at least get started and start to make progress. And we'll figure out where, you know, if it, if it doesn't work, we'll figure that out and, um, and go in a different direction. And so I, it it didn't you know this is only week seven for me um giving them the the authority to to move forward in that direction i think is absolutely uh, uh, you know it's um most of these folks are really bright smart dedicated people and they've they never felt that they had the authority to do things that way um and so i think they're they're responding really well we'll see we'll see how it goes (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I, I'm pretty sure it will go well. Like, I'm I'm afraid that people will be trying to poach your people as they were trying to get your students. Pretty soon. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we 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 have. Uh, you know, I I try to encourage people to try it. You know, they um, they're, they're, 
an example of signs. We, we are the signage on campus is is not where it should have been. Um, and and they said, you know, we 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 had meetings for the, <laughs> a couple of years ago. We had meetings. Uh, a committee formed to look at signs. We met for two years. Nobody could agree, so we just stopped meeting. Um, and so uh, I said, okay, here's what I want you to do. There is already a sign out front. It's it's not adequate. It doesn't tell what's inside. It just said the name of the building. So I want you to make a prototype of the sign that you think should be there and, and put it there. Um, and it took them a, a lot longer than I expected. <laughs> um, it was, uh, and, and so... It, and it's also very conventional. It's it's it, you know, it's very traditional, and so. Uh, but they got it. They finally got it. They felt um, encouraged by that. And I said, "Okay, has anybody complained? No. All right. Well, then it's okay. Um, you know, I, I said I was looking for something a little more creative, but fine. If that's if if this sign reflects what you need and it's fine, then then let's let's make that your sign. And so. Um, it's it's a small it's a small thing, but no one was allowed to do that kind of work, and so um, hopefully, hopefully we start to make a difference in that route in that way. You know, baby steps, as they say, and uh, it 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 uh, I uh, you know I admire the attitude that uh, you know, and it, I think it encourages uh, you know both your students and your employees to to never stop work uh, learning, which is the the the, the kind of the open-mindedness that uh, I think is very important for, for, for any success. Yeah, good. Okay, I, I, I think, Arthur, if you don't have any questions. Yeah, I think this is, this is all, all we have time for. Uh, you know, as, as always, let's, let's hope it was of, of use to somebody. Thank you for listening. To find out more about the University Risk Management and Insurance Association, go to ermia.org where you'll find more resources and a community of almost 2,700 members from the risk profession. We also mentioned the Learning in Uncertainty, an episode of the Teaching in Higher Ed podcast, where the host, Bonista Hoviak, talks to Dave Cormier, learning specialist about his work in helping students learn in uncertainty. Finally, check out the Tech Ed podcast. Sophie Bailey runs this podcast with a mission to improve the dialogue between ed and tech through storytelling. She has an excellent episode talking about what is skill and how should we measure it. Be sure to listen to it. As usual, the links to all these resources will be in the notes to this episode. Also, don't miss the next one, where we'll be talking about the concept of federated governance models and how we can help decentralize decision-making without sacrificing structure and accountability. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform or visit bdr.show to find out more about future episodes and guests. You can also check out Cognition.llc for more information on Cognition shared solutions, our services and other events hosted by us. For now, it's thank you from myself, your friendly neighborhood data guy, Dr. Marian Siwiak and my co-host, Artur Guja. Thank you. <laughs>